Greetings again, Gary Zacharias here with The Apologist Bookshelf. I want to revisit a book by N.T. Wright called The New Testament in Its World. It's a big one, and it's so complete. It got tons and tons of great information. Um, I would like to look at the beginning part of it, actually. First chapter is called Beginning Study of the New Testament, and the second one is The New Testament is History. Uh, he he spends some time talking about it uh, as history and as literature and as theology. So he's he's thorough, and uh, it's an amazing book. So the first chapter, he starts off, why the New Testament? Now, it seems like kind of an obvious answer, I guess, but he says, what's the New Testament for, and what does it tell us about how we should study it? So he said, for some people, and I think he's really nailed this, he said, for some people, the New Testament is kind of like a book of car maintenance or gardening tips or maybe a first aid book. In other words, you turn to it when you need to know about a particular issue or problem, like, well, what does the Bible teach about this or that or something else? He said, for some people, it's like a dictionary, a list of everything you're supposed to know and believe about the Christian faith. He said, maybe for some people, it's like an atlas, helps you find your way around the world without getting lost. He says, you know, people talk about the Bible being an ultimate authority, but kind of like a car manual is an authority about that particular model. And he said, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. He's better to start there than nowhere. But he said, you know, the New Testament doesn't really look like that kind of manual. And I think he's right. Uh, said there's a lot of different things in there. Uh, it's got history and it's got short stories and, well, parables and biography and poetry and, and all sorts of things. So he says the New Testament has history. It's it's a lot of history because it's the true story of Jesus and his followers, and it's got poetry. He said there's some things that you can only say that way in poetry. It's got biography. It's all about people. And of course, the one true, what he calls one true human who reflects the image of God, and that's Jesus. And they said that's true. There are some places that you can use kind of like a dictionary or car manual or a how to play golf kind of book. But he said, they're part of the larger whole. So he says the larger whole that ought to be our primary consideration. So he said, we need to learn, he says, to study the New Testament for everything that it's worth. And he said, that's what this book is for. So I thought that was good that he's laying out early in the book why he wrote this thing. He said, Jesus told us that we should love God with our minds as well as our hearts and our souls and our strength. He said, you know, devotion matters. Certainly it matters, but it needs direction, he said. Energy matters, but it needs information. So he said, if you look back at the early church, he said one of the most important tasks was teaching. Now he said the Christian church has actually led the way for 2,000 years in making education in general, and especially biblical education, available to people. And I've know, I know I've read other books that talk about what has Christianity done for the world, and one of the things is education. You think about some of the early... Uh, people that came over to this country, the Puritans and the Pilgrims, what they do? They established colleges. And uh, if you think about Harvard and Yale, kind of disappointing how they're turning out these days, but uh, they were emphasizing God and his creation and understanding the world from a Christian perspective. He says, uh, if you contrast Christianity, early Christianity, with the rest of the ancient world, it was very much a bookish culture. He said, we think of it as a religion. But he said, if you came in on a meeting of Christians, you'd see them having some kind of educational institution going on. He says, that's remarkable, because back then, education for individuals was really for the rich. It was for the elite. 
But he said, you know, the, the, it was the Christians that started using the codex. Now that sheet stuck together, kind of like a modern book rather than a scroll. And the scroll was really awkward to try to flip through and find things. Uh, well, I'm sorry, scroll you can't flip through. Anyway, it was awkward to use to roll and unroll. You could flip through a codex. And it said, uh, even though it had been around, uh, the Christians, you came up with a very user-friendly one. So that's interesting to know. He said, but you know, behind everything else, the reason there's a New Testament at all is because of Jesus. Now, he didn't write anything, but what he did and what he said, especially his claim that he was launching God's kingdom here on earth as in heaven, and that his purpose was to die a horrible death to defeat the powers of darkness and bring God's new creation into being with his resurrection, all of that was what it meant within its original setting. So he said, from very early in the movement, most of Jesus' followers were really not from the Jewish world. They needed to be told not only that Jesus died for your sins, I mean, as important as that is, but they needed to know the, the entire story of Jesus, that he was Israel's Messiah, and that the meaning of his death was a messianic meeting. And we would get that from Israel and Israel's scriptures. And he said, when you think about the name New Testament, what is it saying? New Covenant. And a covenant isn't something you study at a distance. You sign on for. He says, or actually, in this case, God calls you to be part of. So the whole New Testament is written not exactly to create the new world and a new covenant relationship. I mean, God has already done that in Jesus and doing it through the Spirit. But it's there to tell a story of that new world, that new relationship, in such a way that we as readers, get drawn into that relationship in that world. It's a world of worship. It's always and ultimately one of praise. So the New Testament exists because God wants to involve real humans, thinking, breathing humans, in the ongoing work and life of God's kingdom. So we need to study the New Testament, everything, the history, the maps, the dictionary, the gardening manual, <laughs> all of that. Uh, it's a great drama. And he says, as we begin to do that, as we really study it for all the things it can do for us, he says, uh, take a look at what Paul talks about in Colossians 3.10, that the gospel of Jesus will renew us in knowledge according to the Creator's image. So Wright says, when we worship the true God, with that worship that's shaped by the story of Jesus, when we see that as the fulfillment of Israel's scriptures, we find that we're being made into image bearers, that we are going to be a reflection of God's love and purposes in the world. <clears throat> so he says the New Testament is really designed to be the book, when we read it, it shapes and energizes and directs us for mission, not just for worship, but for mission. He points out that worship and mission go hand in hand. Uh, both are powerful. So he says the New Testament really isn't just simply telling us how to get to heaven. He said, actually, that surprises a lot of people. They think that's all it says. He says, no, the New Testament is designed to draw us into the story of God's plan. Notice that phrase there, the story of God's plan. So we're going to get some history. To rescue the world from chaos and to launch God's transformative creation. So the New Testament is a manual of mission because it does focus on worship. And we don't focus a distant or remote God, but a God who made the world, and he's remaking it. And so our mission is not just to rescue souls away from the world, but to bring God's rescuing love and glory into the creation itself. So he said, constant study is vital. Every generation needs to be renewed in knowledge. Every part of the church, he says, needs to wake up to 
to the whole larger story of what the New Testament is actually saying. He says that's why a book like his is so important. So he talks about, uh, I thought that was a really powerful opener. And then I wanted to do it just a couple of minutes from his second chapter. He calls it the New Testament history. So he said there's history and there's literature and there's theology all going on inside the New Testament. So he said, in this chapter at least, he says, Christians have ordinarily claimed that God revealed himself not in some kind of religious feelings, but in the life and the death and the resurrection of a real individual, Jesus. So God has acted within the space-time universe. He says specifically in the dirt and drama of first century Palestine. So that's how he brought his promise into react into uh, action is to bring Jesus into this world. He says uh, some people think, oh, the historical task, it's it's okay, you know, it's foundational for the church, but nobody invests much time on that now. We've got to pray, and there's sermons to write, and we have to visit the elderly, and we have services to prepare. But he said, actually, being a Christian means living and believing and behaving in some kind of continuity with the New Testament and the Old Testament. So Christians need to read the New Testament where Christianity really begins. And so he's going to focus on that in this chapter here. He said, Many Christians are actually afraid of history, that if we really find out what happened in the first century, our faith might collapse. Maybe there really wasn't Jesus. Maybe there really wasn't uh, Paul. Maybe this stuff is all just legendary. And he said, but we've got to have historical inquiry, because he said, pretty soon, if that's not accurately nailed down into history, then people could remake Jesus in their own image. So that certainly is a danger, and that's what he's going to cover here. So uh, toward the end of the second chapter, he said, we're finding, in the, as we do the history here, we find ourselves describing some first century Jews called the early Christians, and they held a particular Jewish worldview. And this group, he says, was actually expressing this thought, the hope which characterizes our worldview <clears throat> has been fulfilled in these events. So it's an event. So he said they tell a story, starting with gospel, going to apocalypse, and it puts in a narrative form the sum of everything they believe. So we need to know that story of the first Christians within the story of the Jews and the Greeks and the Romans. So at the end of the chapter, he says, what does all this mean for somebody who wants to wrestle with the New Testament? Well, first of all, he says, remember that studying it is not an optional extra. It's a crucial part of anything you do with biblical studies. And he says, you need to realize it's complex to do history. And we have to be able to retrieve true history. And then number three, which I think is really important, he says, the past is a very different place. We have to recognize that. He said, you can't jump from Atlanta to Antioch or leave from Rochester to Rome without doing some serious historical and cultural and social studies along the way. He says, roll up your sleeves and prepare to get your hands dirty. And I'll tell you, as a person who minored in history myself, I can't get over in the last few years where I've really been looking at the New Testament and the Old Testament to realize how embedded in history it actually is. I mean, those are real people dealing with real issues in a real culture. And sometimes we take these stories. I know when I was a kid, we would get these stories in our Sunday school classes. Oh, here's David and Goliath one week. 
Oh, here's Jesus uh, healing the sick on another week. Uh, third week, here's Moses. And all of that stuff seemed like it was just a story kind of taken out of time and out of place. And I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad they gave me those stories. But, you know, you think about the Old Testament and you think about the New Testament, real places, real people, dirt under their fingernails, struggling with things going on around them and reacting in good ways and in bad ways to those things going around. That's history. And so I love books that give us pictures, and this book does. I love books that give us charts, that give us maps, that let us know this is real. And you compare it to some other religions. A lot of religions are sort of once upon a time things. It's hard to anchor them into a real place in a real time. Not true with Christianity. Okay, well, that's just me uh, rambling along here about history because I think it's so important. But the book, again, is called The New Testament and Its World by N.T. Wright. Big book, and uh, who knows, it may be available now. It's been out for a few years. Might find one um, on sale somewhere, used book. It's got a lot of great information. Well, I thank you again for uh, being part of this podcast, and uh, we'll do another one really soon.